everything that's gone into this service, but it comes to this moment. We ask that you draw our hearts and attention to this passage of Scripture. Help us to learn some things we'll never forget. May it mold us and shape us to be more like Thee. Holy Spirit of God, You speak to each heart. Give me the words to say for this hour, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. It's always sobering when we come to the portions of Scripture about the crucifixion. Uh, We just read Matthew's account, uh, part of his account of the crucifixion of Christ. And three crosses were mentioned at Christ's crucifixion. This is a truth that I have uh, talked about in other ways, but today I want to give a fresh look and remember some important truths about Calvary. Three crosses were mentioned at Christ's crucifixion. We know the cross of Christ provides salvation. We know that without His sinless sacrifice on our behalf that none of us would be able to go to heaven. But there are vital lessons that God wants us to see that are symbolized in the two other crosses. So as we normally look at the cross of Christ on Calvary, I want us to kind of pan out a little bit in our minds. And this morning I want you to see all three crosses. The hill there is called Calvary or Golgotha, the place of the skull. And they say that when you looked at it even more so back then, but even still today, when you look at that hill, there are indentions in the hill that look like eyeballs and a nose and a bit of a mouth, and it looks like a skull. And on the top of that little mound is where Christ died, but he had a thief on either side. So I want you to kind of pan out from just seeing the cross. I want you in your mind's eye this morning to see that little hill, that that little uh, place called Mount Calvary or Golgotha, that little skull-like mound with not one cross on top, but three. And each one of those crosses has an important lesson for us today. By way of introduction, let me remind you that crucifixion was a cruel way to die. Other peoples had practiced crucifixion throughout the years, but the Romans perfected it. One thing that made crucifixion so terrible is that they could keep a man in unthinkable pain, hanging between life and death, For many hours. This was not a simple process of let's, there's always been evil people thinking of ways to kill and terrify the firing squad, as terrible as that is, it's over in an instant. Decapitation, as terrible as that is, it's over in an instant. And when you think about all the ways for someone to die, the process of death usually just happens fairly quickly. Crucifixion is in a class all by itself because they had perfected a way to start the unstoppable process of death but make it last for many hours until death finally came. Only by God's grace 
Could a symbol of such horror and suffering become a symbol of hope and salvation? You see, we have a cross behind us, and when we look at that, we don't see horror, we see hope. Because we know what Christ accomplished on the cross. I'll also draw your attention to that this is not a crucifix. While some folks would have a crucifix, we do not have crucifixes around because Christ is not still on the cross. His suffering is over. And a lot of times people that have crucifixes, their doctrine tells them that Christ is still in a way suffering and being sacrificed continually for sin. For example, the Catholic Mass is not just a Lord's Supper. If you look up the difference between a Mass and what we would call communion, the, the, the Catholic Church considers Mass to be a continual sacrifice. Those doctrines are very different. They look similar, but they're very, very different. We have an empty cross because the Bible says that Jesus suffered for a time, but His suffering is done. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father, ever living to intercede for us. He suffered on the cross, but then He was buried, and three days later He rose again. Amen? He came the first time as the suffering Savior. He's coming back as our risen Lord. And so we have to keep those doctrines uh, straight. And that's why we can look at a cross and see it as a symbol of hope, not a symbol of horror and pain and suffering. And only God's grace could do that. On the day that Jesus was crucified, two other criminals were crucified with him as well, one on his right side and the other on his left. Now, the Bible says that these were thieves. If you look back to Matthew chapter 27, verse 44, the Bible says the thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. And so these people had stolen something. And what's notable here is that thievery was not often considered a crime worthy of death. They didn't often crucify people for stealing or thievery unless there was a murder involved. And so while uh, Bible scholars look at this, we uh, often think, well, perhaps there was some murder involved. Maybe it was more than just simple theft. Maybe it was a robbery with a murder. It was also notable that two people were crucified for the same crime on the same day. The Romans were masters of keeping the, the people they ruled over in fear. So they would not necessarily crucify a bunch of people. They would drag out the crucifixions to get maximum effect and to keep the people in line. It's unusual that two people on the same day would be crucified for the same offense unless they were partners. According to Roman law, if they both committed the same crime and were partners in the same crime, they could be crucified at the same time. And so we're just setting the stage here on this little mount called Calvary. And I want us to look at the three crosses of Calvary today. Regardless of the reasons for these other two people being there, they found themselves being crucified with Christ. I want to just take in the little time we've got left today to tell you about each of these crosses and a truth that each of these crosses of Calvary can teach us. Number one, we see the cross of contention. 
we see the cross of contention. If you look in the scripture, as we read through this, it set the stage and Jesus was crucified and they put the sign over his head, this is the king of the Jews. And as people passed by, they were wagging their heads at him. They were saying mean things about the Savior. And this was often the case in crucifixions. They would crucify them in a public place for maximum horror. But some people would get involved in it. And they would go by and spit at the people. They would yell mean things at the people. They would call them names. And you can see here in verse 39, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. Now we all know what it means to wag a head. It might just look like this. You ever seen somebody do this? Ain't no way this is going to happen. You know, it's like, whoa, what, what just happened here? It's, somebody's really serious about what's going on. It's like the exorcist. You expect their head to just start spinning around. It's, uh, but people, when, when they get really upset, man, their head starts moving. And these were people really upset. And they reviled him. They were putting him down and saying terrible things. It even gives us a couple things they said in verse 40. And saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. So we won't go back and look at it, but at one point Jesus was teaching by the temple and some people pointed to the temple and wanted Jesus to be impressed with the temple. And he said, one of these days that's all going to be knocked down, but he said they're going to destroy the temple and in three days I'm going to raise it up. Well, he was speaking of the temple of his body. Second Corinthians chapter 5 talks about this tabernacle, this temple. Did you know your body is not you? The part of you that's understanding me and, and listening to me and processing what I'm saying, that's called your soul. It's your thoughts, will, and your emotions. Your soul simply resides in your body uh, while you're here on earth. Your body is the vehicle, the earthly vehicle for your soul. So just like we are inside the church, if the church was your body and us in here were the soul, that's kind of the, the, the way it works. So that part of you that's hearing and understanding me is going to live forever. That part of you uh, will go to heaven or hell someday, depending on what you believe about Christ. But Jesus was talking about the temple of his body, and they thought he was talking about the physical temple. So they were mocking him with that. Next, they said at the end of verse 40, If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. And of course, you can look at John chapter 8, one of the most fantastic chapters in the New Testament about Jesus' conflict with the Pharisees. And they were so upset at him for uh, declaring that he was the Son of God. They would have killed him in those moments if they would have been able to, but God supernaturally protected him. And at other times, the crowd protected him because they were beginning to believe. But, so they're saying, hey, if you're the Son of God, Come down from the cross. But what these sinners didn't know is that if Jesus came down from the cross, it would have condemned all humanity to an eternity in, in the fires of hell. You know, if we're not careful, sometimes we'll blame God for stuff and tell Him that what He ought to do, not realizing the ramifications of what we're telling Him to do. We've got to make sure we're not playing God. Let God be God. Our job is to have faith. God's job is to run the universe. And dear friend, can I just say lovingly, I'm glad you're not in charge. <laughs> right? And you should be glad I'm not in charge. Because we'd all last about a nanosecond before it all fell apart. 
God's very good at who he is and what he does. But oftentimes his ways are all the time. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. And often we don't see what God is doing, the full picture. And so we need to trust him every step of the way. But notice... They also said in, look at verse 41, Likewise the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, So you've got the people walking by, mocking and reviling, contending with him. Then you've got the religious leaders and they're mocking with him and saying things at him. Verse 42, He saved others, himself he cannot save. They're mocking at him for healing people. Oh, you can, you can make the blind to see, and you can make the deaf to hear, and you can make the lame to walk. And Oh, you could raise the dead, but you can't save yourself, can you? I mean, how bad do you have to be? How envious, how full of pride and bitterness do you have to be to mock someone for healing people? No wonder Jesus called them vipers filled with venom. He goes on to say, middle of verse 42, If if he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. You see what the predicament they put him in? Lord, if you do this, I'll believe you. And the Lord says, if I do that, you can never be saved. Verse 43, more contention. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. So now he's, he's not just getting on to Christ. They're saying, oh, he trusted God. Let God deliver him. Mocking his relationship with God. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. These people had no idea what they were saying, did they? How foolish the words coming out of their mouth. But look at verse 44. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. So you've got the people walking by, wagging their heads, yelling. You've got the religious leaders contending with Christ, mocking him, calling him names. And watch this, in your mind's eye, if you see those three crosses on Calvary, Christ in the middle, the people on either side of him began doing the same. Yeah, if you're the Son of God, get us out of here. Yeah, yeah, if if God will take you, why don't you do something? And I mean, now Christ is getting it from every direction, even the people being crucified with him. The first cross is the cross of contention we find that one man died contending with Christ. He died mocking Christ. This man died in sin. In sin. So we've got Christ in the middle, and we've got over here the the man, uh, uh, this cross of contention. Why don't you do something about this? If you can get us down, get us out of here. What are you, some fake, some phony? Get us out of here and just yelling and screaming and crying, but he never saw Christ for who he was, the Savior. And he died in his sin. He condemned Christ. Folks, you know there's a lot of people today that mock Christ. You know, atheism today is kind of in vogue. It's the kind of cool thing. If you want to be the cool kid on the block, you just make fun of God. If you want to, if you want to be cool in college, if you want to be cool in school, you just say, oh, there's no God, or I wouldn't go to church, or I don't believe the Bible. There are stories all over the place of, of college professors and even teachers in classes 
mocking God and, and, and spewing out hateful things about God. And, and if, if a Christian, which they should do, if a Christian holds their guns and says, that's not what I, that's not what I believe, then they will get mocked and ridiculed in front of the class. Just thinking about one story of a young man. The teacher passed out a test where they had to, they had to admit there was no God on the test. They had to admit there was no God. And the Christian would not, would not fill out the test the way the person wanted. And he failed that test. And it was a big test. And that, pre, that, 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 that professor began to take aim at that person. And day after day after day. Folks, this kind of stuff happens. Now, thank God it's not everywhere. But one thing that happened during COVID is with, with kids staying home, I think a lot of parents were shocked when they heard the stuff the teachers were talking about. They were shocked. Let me tell you, the average parent has no idea what's going on in the classroom. The average parent has no idea what's going on in the, the college room. But dear friend, that there are in society today, in these last days, it is a cool thing to mock God and make fun of God's people. But if those, if those people aren't careful, they're going to die in their sin. They're going to die in their sin and go to a place of eternal wrath and punishment. I take no pleasure in saying it, but dear friend, hell's real. You say, I don't believe that. Then you and Jesus disagree, and I think I'll just stick with Jesus. Look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Jesus was explaining to these Pharisees, John chapter 8 and verse, read this chapter later, it's, it's a fantastic chapter of Christ answering his critics. John chapter 8, look at verse 21, then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way and ye shall seek me and shall die in your sins Whither I go, ye cannot come. Now in John chapter 14, he told his disciples that whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And they say, Lord, how do we get there? And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So it wasn't the, the, the issue was not that they didn't know how to get there. The issue was Jesus pointing out, you're going to die in your sins because of your pride and because of your unbelief and because you refuse to believe in me. And then look, verse 22, they didn't understand. So then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whither I go, ye cannot come. Verse 23, Jesus explains further. And he said unto them, ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. Why? For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. And folks, that's one of the saddest statements in the Word of God. If, if anybody under the sound of my voice were to die in your sins, that's eternal damnation, eternal suffering. It's awful. It's unthinkable. It's worse than you can imagine. And it's completely avoidable if you just believe in Jesus. But see, the, the first cross, we see the cross of contention. This is the man who died in his sin. This man condemned Christ and refused to believe in him. Let's look at the middle cross. This is the cross of conviction. 
So first, we have the cross of contention. Next, we have the cross of conviction. This is the cross of Christ. This man died for sin. The first man died in sin. This man died for sin. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he had no sin of his own. And you know the story and, and, and the, the biblical account. The Bible says that uh, John 3.16, just by way of, of, of understanding, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible record of Christ is clear. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, eternal in the heavens. God had uh, the, the, the four counsel of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, before time began, had decided that they knew if they created man, man would sin. But they decided man was worth the trouble. Some people say, well, well, preacher, why would God create us if he knew we were going to be sinners? And I often say, just like you know if you have a child they're going to cause an awful lot of trouble, but you want them anyway. You want them anyway. You're going to spend years changing diapers, and then you're going to spend many more years being an ATM machine. You know, whenever they need something, they just come and ask you for money. And then you're going to spend, you know, you never stop worrying about it. I'll never forget, I was in town one day eating breakfast, and there was a man next door, and I won't go into the whole story, but he was in his 70s, and she was in her 90s, and he said something that she didn't like, and she started to correct him and lecture him. He's in his mid-70s, and he's like, I know, Mom. I'm sorry, Mom. I know, Mom. I know. And she's just still giving him the business. You know why? Because you never stop being a parent. Why in the world would you, why would you do that to yourself? Because I love that baby even before it's born. That's the same reason why God made the world. God knew ahead of time that man was going to lose their way, but he said, I'm not only going to create you and, and you're going to lose your way, but I'm going to make a way home for you. I'm going to make a way of salvation for you. So Jesus Christ, in eternity past, they decided that at the appointed time, Jesus Christ would come to earth in the form of a baby. A virgin would be... a. a, a uh, would conceive a baby with the, the help of the Holy Ghost and that young baby would grow up sinless, the sinless Son of God in a man's body and He came to earth, why? To die in our place. You couldn't die for me, you have your own sin. I couldn't die for you, I have my own sin. But Jesus, the sinless Son of God, could die for the sins of the world because He had no sins of His own. And on that cross... Jesus suffered and died for you and me. And on that cross, God took all the sins that mankind would ever commit and placed them on Christ. And the Bible says He not only paid for our sins, but He became sin for us. In a way that you and I can't understand, Jesus Christ paid for the sins of the world. Every man, woman, and child who would ever be born, Jesus paid for their sin. And at the last saying of the cross, what did Jesus cry? It is finished! The debt's paid. The bill's paid. The account's clean. And He died on the cross 
gave up the ghost. They put him in the grave. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. It wasn't possible that death should hold him. He was the creator. He was the giver of life who submitted to death only to defeat it. And as Christ rose again from the dead, he defeated death once and for all. And so the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21 that Jesus has the keys of hell and death. Praise God. This is the cross of conviction. This man died for sin. This is the cross of salvation. So we had the cross of contention. This man died in sin. We have the cross of conviction. This man died for sin. And then we have finally the cross of conversion. This man died to sin. Let me show you this beautiful scriptures. We read first in in Matthew chapter 27, verse 44, the thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. So at first, they both railed on the Savior. They both were reviling Christ. But we see a change happen in Luke chapter 23. Look at Luke chapter 23. As you're turning, we know that God gave us the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they each tell uh, many of the same stories, although some stories are, are only found in, in certain books. But the reason why God did this is so we could have different views. It's just like if there were four people standing on the corner, each one of the corners out, outside, and an accident happened, and they each saw a little bit different vantage point. The police would go through and, and interview each one. It wouldn't be that one person would be right and the other person was wrong. It would be that somebody might see something on that side that didn't see the same thing on this side. And so in some things, they all saw the same thing, but they all also saw details that none of the other ones saw. And so the reason why Christ did this for us and gave us these synoptic gospels is so we could get four different views of the life of Christ, but then also so that you and I could go to the scriptures and put the pieces together. And it's like finding treasure as we begin to see the whole picture come into view. But we have the third cross, the cross of conversion. Look at the change that happens in Luke chapter 23 and verse 39. Well, let's not look at verse 39. Matthew chapter 23, yes, let's look at verse 39. Matthew chapter 3. And verse 39, it says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. That's the cross of contention. This man died in sin. But look what happens in verse 40. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou, dost not thou fear God? seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Isn't that beautiful? So something, a change takes place over the hours that they're hanging on the cross. 
In the beginning, they're both, both thieves are railing. But after a while, the, the thief on the one side begins to see Jesus through a different light. He saw Jesus as a lamb led to the slaughter, but he didn't fight. He saw the love in Christ's eyes as there was hatred all around him. He witnessed the grace in the sufferings of Christ. He sensed the perfection of his presence. And after a while, the man on this side stopped railing on Christ. And a matter of fact, he began yelling across Christ and said, Hey, stop it. Be quiet. This man's not like us. We deserve to die. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. He's the Christ. Do you see what happened? We see the cross of contention. You saved others, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down. This man died in his sin. You see the cross of conviction. Jesus, the Son of God, dying on the cross for the sins of the world. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This man died for sin. And we see the cross of conversion. This man finally saw Jesus for who he is, and he died to sin. Sin had no more hold over him. And he said, remember me. Well, now comest into thy kingdom. What was he saying? I know who you are. And I know where you're going. And I believe you could take me with you. And Jesus said, today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. Everybody in this room, you're on one of these two crosses on the other side, on either side of Christ. Perhaps someone here is still on that cross of contention. I don't believe that stuff. I don't believe that Bible. I don't believe, ah, it's all, when you die, you die. It's all, if I can't see it, I don't believe it. And it's all crazy. It's all foolish. I'm just here because, I'm just listening because. Dear friend, you are a heartbeat away from dying in your sin. But you don't have to. Because... You could come like the rest of us who there was a time in our life when we saw Jesus for who he is. He's the Savior. And I'm going to trust you to save me. And then you can die to sin. Which cross do you identify with today? Either way, the cross of Christ rises above humanity, offering salvation to all who will believe. And these two crosses symbolize a choice. Those of us that have accepted Christ, we also need to point people to the cross to give them the same choice. Amen? Amen. Let's bow. Father, thank you for the truth. We ask that you would give us understanding into your word. Thank you for this powerful picture of the choice each of us are facing.